My name's Steve. Uh, if you're a guest here, you're really, really welcome. Welcome to the family. We're a church of belonging. Uh, a church where together we're seeking to bring, we're simply, our, our vision is to bring life to Ballon of Yon. And we believe that everyone, every day, everywhere can extend God's kingdom. Whether they're at work uh, tomorrow, whether you're at home, or whether you're at play or down the gym. Uh, so if you're visiting us today, we're thrilled, we're really thrilled to have you gather with us. As we continue our, our series looking at Ephesians, Ephesians, and specifically we've titled this uh, sermon series, if you like, uh, Born Identity. Uh, we're looking at who we are born for. And can I, can I just encourage you, if you've got a Bible, to bring it? Um, if not, have it on your phone or some other sort of electronic device with, with a Bible. If you don't have a Bible of your own, please help yourself. We've got some Bibles at the back at the information stage. Can I call it that? Stats, information area. Uh, just take one. Take one without compliments. Uh, as Bill was saying, we're seeking to be a church transforming our communities in all kinds of ways. So whether that's the stuff we do on the streets. Uh, so yesterday we were out on the streets praying for people, talking with people, helping people to stepping stones towards Jesus. Or stuff that we're doing as a family in our, in our small groups. Uh, so tomorrow... The guys, we're going to go, we're going to meet up after Ultimate Frisbee, and then we're going to go for a walk in the woods. Did we tell you that? Are you talking about? I told you. you. I told you. So as we met, we're going to just go, go into the woods. It's not going to be weird or creepy, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, so stuff we do on the streets, stuff we do in small groups, and the stuff we do for our compassion ministries, like Bags of Blessing, or the Job Club. Our desire really is to be as generous as we can, and we don't we don't want to be the best church in the community. That's not we're not interested in putting on good Sunday services. Our our main passion and vision is to be the best church for the community, uh, and that's that's our driver. And we've got we're seeking the welfare of the city, and we've got this audacious dream to be the best church for our community. We, we want people who are depressed, people who are lonely, people who, are, who haven't got a job, people who need Jesus, people who need healing. Uh, we want them to, to come to church. Uh, we believe this vision, it stems from, we, we believe it stems from the heart of God for our city. And the text I want to begin, begin with today, uh, as, we, as we begin, begin today, is, it's the text that we spoke at our first ever service. Uh, 18 months ago, and um, uh, it's a really important scripture for us as a church. In the last 18 months, we've, we've studied it, we've highlighted certain aspects of it. So before we jump into Ephesians, uh, I want to read a portion from Isaiah 61 and verse 7. I think the words are going to come up on the screen. Um, I just want to highlight one particular verse, really. Uh, verse, uh, verse 7, it's God speaking to his people. And God is saying this, he said, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Uh, anybody up for a double goodness? <laughs> or any goodness? <laughs> any goodness will do. Uh, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, just turn to your neighbour and, and just give them your disgraced look. Just turn them <laughs> Let's get the best. What is that? What is that? 
that look like? Instead of disgrace, instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and so you will you will inherit double portion uh, in your land. And here we go. This is this is the root of it. And everlasting joy will be yours. It's amazing. Um, and so over the last few weeks, we've been studying what it means to have a secure identity. Uh, we were made for a different identity than the world, our society tells us. We were made for a different identity that the devil tells us. And we were made in a different identity that some of us, what we tell ourselves. We were, we've got this born identity, and we're, we're rediscovering that. We're rediscovering who we are in Christ and who Christ says we are. Uh, on Thursday, as I was just thinking, I'm praying for this morning, I, I had this picture of a cobweb. And, uh, the Navy's, and I was thinking about it, is that for one person they just feel trapped, they feel entangled. Um, there may be someone here who feels entangled, uh, trapped. And it might be entangled in your own thinking, or it might be physically trapped in an unhealthy relationship. It might be an abusive relationship. That once, at first, the things that connected you with that person, you now feel trapped. Like a vice, like a cobweb. And uh, if that's you, we'd love to pray for you afterwards. It might be you're tr- it might be a person here that, that you're trapped in your thinking. You're just trapped in in all kinds of torment. And what we're aiming to do today is I'm I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking to the shame or the entrapment that that might be here in in, in the room. Uh, the Bible says that there's life. That there's there's life in the power of the tongue. There's death and life in the power of the tongue. And Isaiah 61, it, it, it's God speaking life over individuals, over our communities. And this is, the, this is what we're called to do as a church. We're called to speak life over our community, over our cities, and dismantle some of the power, some of the thinking that we have. Uh, and I, I believe that shame... This morning, uh, for many of us, is this cloak that we that we just wear. And and what I want to do is, so I'm speaking at shame, and I want to propose that there's a guardian to your favour, a guardian to the goodness of God, uh, and his name is shame. Uh, so forgive me if uh, if this goes over your head. Uh, I'm I'm going to be speaking to 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 shame today. Uh, I'm not an expert at many things. Um, but I've lived with shame for many years. It's something that I'm an expert in. So I think I'm well qualified to, to speak about this today. Ever since I was a child, I've never really known what it's like in my childhood or my teenage years to, even into my marriage and as a father. Uh, I've never known what it's like not to have shame in my life. Uh, shame is like this constant, it has been this constant companion to me. And when I was 17, I thought I'd broken free from it when I became a follower of Jesus. Um, but um, it's been this constant, I've had this constant relationship with, with, with shame. Shame is different to guilt. Shame's different to guilt. Guilt says uh, you did something wrong. Whereas shame says you are something wrong. Uh, shame, what it does is it's, it's 
brands you like a tattoo. It brands you with an identity, and it strips you of your dignity. Uh, all of us here, um, all of us here, we've all done something wrong. All done things wrong. Things that we're embarrassed about. Whether we've thought about stuff, whether we, whether we, whether we've spoken stuff to people, uh, or words or deeds that we're, we're embarrassed about, and we wouldn't want those scenes replayed, would we? Some of those things that we've done, we would definitely would want some of those scenes replayed. Here's Steve's scene, like no, <laughs> um, but there are also some shameful things that we've done, and what it does is it steals something from us. And Isaiah says here that it shipwrecks our destiny. And so I want to propose that the entrance to your God-given destiny and God-given identity that we're trying to, to look at. Uh, and through the doors of our destiny is this guardian, and it's called shame. And it stands there, and it wants to keep you where you are, trapped. Uh, so shame, it needs to be overcome. And so I want to encourage you. Some of you today, um, be overcomers. Uh, would you like to be free? Yeah. I thought, I'm trying to get more response. And I, as I was thinking about this today, I was thinking there was going to be a cheer. Yeah, I want to be an overcomer. <laughs> uh, some of us have overcome. Uh, we've, gone through the, we've gone through these doors, but we feel shame trying to pull us back. We feel this shame trying to pull us back into this entrapment. Uh, somebody, uh, some of us have also um, have overcome. You're through the doors, and your your role, your destiny is to help others through the door. Other people who are going through shame, uh, and so that might be your role, uh, your God-given role. Keep forgetting. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll dive into the text. Uh, with what little time we have. So Father, I thank you that you've come to destroy the works of the enemy. And, and Father, today would you give us a grace to be able to speak about some painful things, some things that some of us have lived with for decades. And, and Jesus, you're so gentle, you're so kind. But as well as the glint in your eye, you've got power. You've got this authority like no other person has ever had. So would you come, Holy Spirit, would you come and sweep through this room? We, we invite ministering angels to come and uh, soften hearts and to help us in Jesus' name. Uh, so I was saying, some of us are familiar, familiar with shame. And we've heard it speaking to us throughout our lives. It says things like, how could you do that? How could you do that? How could you do that? This is our secret. Don't, don't tell anyone. Some of us see it when we look in the mirror. Or you feel it as you lay your head on the pillow, when all the noise has stopped, all the smartphones, when you lay your head on the pillow. Some of us feel it. I want to say shame is not your friend. It's a power. It humiliates us. It dominates us. And ultimately, it manipulates us into doing what he wants us to do. Um, and it will say to you, it will say to you, uh, so I'm going to say things here that are applicable to me, that have been applicable to me. Uh, but I'm sure it's been applicable to you. Um, 
apart from this first one. Um, who do you think you are, highly of yourself, when no boy wants to date you? That's probably the only one I haven't had myself. <laughs> who, but who do you think you are when no one wants to date you? It will say things like that. Who do you think you are that you can read or study the scriptures when you're riddled with depression and anger? How, how dare you read, read God's word? Who do you think you are to say that you're a child of God when your own father didn't love you? How dare you try and heal people in Jesus' name when your own body is sick and people are dying around you? Shame will say things like that. Uh, how dare you think that you keep praying for, you, for a family when you're still unable to conceive? Shame will do that. Who do you think you are to be a, a leader in the kingdom of God when you can't even handle your issues with food? Shame, shame will do, say things like that. Who are you to call yourself a survivor when you've been a victim of abuse, whether it's physical, sexual, emotional, or, or neglect? Uh, who do you think you are? This is some, for some of us. Who do you think you are to be a man or a woman that God has called you to be when you're locked into pornography and masturbation? How dare you try and think of yourself like that? In our core, we feel this poverty and this shame guardian will stop you accessing your true identity and it will stop you enjoying the goodness of God uh, for your life. And to make, But maybe today some of us are running from shame. Uh, shame, I know, can manifest itself in promiscuity. Shame can manifest itself in addictions. Uh, these are just simply the fruits of shame. Promiscuity, addictions, they're just the product of, of shame. If you, if you find someone who's addicted chemically to, uh, or, or to alcohol, or to drugs, or to sex, or to pornography, or food, or any of those things, it's just simply shame manifesting itself. And what we do is we feel this wound of shame in our hearts, and then we try to take that wound, and what we do is we sort of try and medicate that wound, try and suppress it or numb it, numb its voice, and we end up fueling behaviours that put us in this cycle. Uh, and so psychologists talk about this shame cycle. We feel ashamed, so we do it in practice, whether it's the fantasy of pornography, because we feel there's something missing, and we engage with it and feel ashamed, and engage with it again, and feel more, more ashamed. And then suddenly, pathways in our, in our addiction, in our brain, are being fused together, and that it's no longer a sin to be repeated, but it's a habit that's part of you. These fuses that happen in your uh, neurological pathways. And the more we do it, the stronger and the thicker and the tighter, the more secure they get. Um, so it might be like, like me, you've spent decades running away from shame. And the guardian wants to keep you trapped. Uh, when Jesus came to earth, he, he commented, he was asked, you know, why he came to earth. And he said this, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. All the things he could have said, just think about it, all the things he could have said, he said, no, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. Uh, so it can, it can show up, the fruits of shame could be a lot more overt, but then there are sort of hidden aspects of what it can do as well. Uh, it shows up trying to control people, or perfectionism. Uh, what shame does, it says, um, whatever you do, don't mess up. 
to the swans that I preached at this morning. On the surface, they look fantastic. Underneath, you just see them flapping. Uh, there's so much shame if you fail. So the perfectionist in you will try and just box everything. So everything looks neat. The perfectionist looks fine on the outside. The veneer looks smooth. But underneath is chaos. I don't know if anyone else is like me. Um, so shame is a power. Uh, and I just want to say it's impossible to, uh, to change something by changing your behaviour. I just want to make this bold statement. It's impossible to, to change something simply by just changing your behaviour. So what we're going to do is we're going to find out how to defeat it. Uh, turn with me, finally, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Words are going to come up on the screen. Um, but shame, we've all sensed it. Shame, it's something who you are rather than what you feel. You don't say, I feel shame. You don't say that. What do you say? I am ashamed. You never say, I am a guilty. You don't say, I'm a, I'm a guilty. What do you say? I feel guilty. But shame, you say, I am. I am shame. How do we, how do we defeat it? How do we overcome it? Have a read. Ephesians 1. I wonder how you can... Is that on there? Some of you are pleased to know we're going to do more than just one verse. <laughs> so Ephesians 1. Uh, I'll, we've done Ephesians 3, 1 verse 3, but I really love it. So we're going to read it again. Uh, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, holy and blameless. Um, if, you, if you have a Bible, just under, underline that word blameless. Just underline that, that word blameless. It's um, one translation. It says, uh, instead of that word blameless, it says unstained innocence. Great, great phrase. Imagine tomorrow you woke up with unstained innocence. Imagine that. Um, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So the praise of his, I love these phrases, glorious grace. Paul could have just written grace, but he put glorious grace which is freely given uh, us to the one he loves. Um, one of the things that, some of my common prayers the last 18 months has been, for some of you, but for lots of people, you weren't meant to carry the things that you're carrying. You weren't designed to carry shame. None of us were designed to carry uh, shame, but yet we, we, some of us carry it. So it's been a common prayer I've just noticed for people. Um, as I was saying before, we can't change anything by just changing the behaviour. That's probably the, that's not the best way to change anything. Um, often what happens is uh, our behaviour comes, but society tells us that we have to, if we do something, that's who we are. Society says if you, if you, if you do something, if you do a certain practice or do a deviant, that's who you now are. 
and then the top layers, and you start saying that that phrase. Whereas it's upside down for the kingdom of God. Uh, once you do something, it makes you believe or trust that thing, and then you create that statement. But the kingdom of God says, what you speak out, what you declare, and then reinforces in your beliefs and, and what you believe, it then changes your behaviour. Society says, this is what you do, therefore that's who you are. The kingdom of God says, this is what you declare, this is what you speak out, and that will change what you believe. The way we change behaviour in the kingdom of God is upside down. Um, I've, been, I've been watching tips on how to preach, using um, tech talks to kind of help. And they always talk about, just do one point. Just do one point. So I'm learning, but I've got, I have got one point, but I've just got a few of them. <laughs> so I have got, I have got one point. I'm trying, I'm trying. The way you change your behaviour, the way you change your behaviour is through declarations. And so what I want you to do, your homework this week, is to take Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 6, and just speak them out three times a day. When you wake up, when you're on a lunch break or a loo break, uh, and sometimes in the evening, just speak them out. And I challenge you to speak out these scriptures. Uh, and I, I can guarantee that as you use the power of declarations, it will really, really help uh, your beliefs. Uh, think about salvation. How did you first decide to follow Jesus? What does the Bible say? In Romans it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart uh, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And um, I don't know. I've got some other scriptures. The entrance to your freedom is through the words you declare. If you want to change your behaviour, you must first declare beliefs, whether you feel them or not. Whether you believe in those beliefs or not, you must declare them before you start believing them. Think about one area in your life that you want freedom in and have not gotten a breakthrough. I want to propose that the kingdom way of changing behaviour is to first declare truth. Uh, so my next first point. <laughs> if you're walking, living, running from shame, there are several things that Jesus wants us to do to receive our new identity. The first thing we do is receive the spirit of adoption. Uh, the Bible says we're predestined, we're predestined to be sons, predestined uh, for adoption. Uh, when, I, when we talk about sonship, we're talking about sons and daughters. A bit, I think you said this the other week, a bit like guys, we're part of the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Ladies, we are sons of God. It's that kind of idea, but we're both sons and daughters. We cannot enter the, our freedom without first declaring and believing that we're sons. Until we recognise that we're sons and daughters of God, we don't inherit what's reserved for sons. So I remember going to a summer camp, New Wine, a uh, big Christian camp, and they had this sort of inner healing tent about 10 years ago. And I walked in and I, 
I said all kinds of things, and I just wanted that person to stroke my depression, stroke my pain, stroke my unforgiveness. And he just said, you don't know the power of the cross. You come in here wanting, wanting me to stroke your ego, but you don't actually know the power of the cross. It was really challenging. I just wanted someone to hear me, and he was, you're not a son. You don't know what it's like to be a son of God. Um, so sonship gives us our true identity. Uh, the second thing it does, it gives us intimacy. My second first point. It gives us intimacy. And uh, the Bible says, those who believed in Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. The Bible doesn't say he gave them the right to be servants of God, slaves of God. And servants have a different relationship to, uh, to sons. Servants work on instructions, on orders, and the kids relate on, on intimacy. They relate, you know, we, we play together, we talk together, we eat together, we're, we're intimate in that way. Uh, so, so Shane said, says to you, your baggage, your history, how dare you approach God? Because of what you've done, how dare you approach God? You're so worthless. And the spirit of adoption shouts, Daddy, my life's a mess, but you're so good. It's a different language. And adoption brings intimacy. Jesus says, uh, I no longer call you servants, but, what does he say? Friends. Friends, yeah. Trying to get audience participation. I'm, I'm working on it. I no longer call you servants, but friends. Uh, in my unintelligent mind, Jesus said that before the cross. I was thinking about it. If he said, if he said before the cross, he declared that before the cross, and the blood that was shed for us, what does that mean now? It means we get an inheritance as sons and daughters. If we were friends before the cross, we're now part of the family after the cross. Just, just say this out loud. I am in the family. I'm I am in the family. family. So let's go while I finish. Let's go back to Isaiah. Instead of your shame, you receive a double portion. He takes your rags of shame and replaces it with a double portion. Uh, imagine a, going back to sort of Hebrew tradition. Imagine a family, they, um, they have three kids, and the dad, to give them their inheritance as a Hebrew family, imagine the dad has a piece of cake, and they have three kids to give the inheritance to. The dad cuts the cake into four, and he gives the firstborn two slices or two pieces, and the other two one piece. That's what it, what it means by double portion. I imagine Abby's like looking at me. Like, I get a double, I get a double inheritance. <laughs> um, so everyone at the time, at the time of Isaiah, knew what a double portion meant. Everyone, everyone got an inheritance, but the firstborn got a double portion. The one who came from heaven, God's son Jesus, was the firstborn, and he got all the inheritance rights. And because he's got all of the inheritance, right? He's got all four pieces. He gets to give it to whoever he pleases. But he can only do that because he went to the cross. 
Um, just imagine Jesus on the cross. Jesus hung on a tree. He was absolutely naked. The Bible says his face was unrecognizable. He'd been battered, he'd been punched, kicked, cursed, sworn at, laughed at, mocked, and absolutely naked. Can you see shame? See shame there at the cross? And shame, I imagine, is guarding, is ridiculing him. The Romans have crucified him in the most shameful manner. And the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible said Jesus endured the cross, scorning it. Shame. Jesus is staring at the guarding of shame. And he's saying, is that all you've got? Is that it? Is that your worst? Jesus is scorning it, shame. All the shame that came upon him. Jesus just scorns it. He endured and scored the shame so that you and I could be free. Jesus took all the shame in him so that you don't have to carry it anymore. And the Bible says he triumphs. Scorns his shame and triumphs. Okay, last point. Last first point. If you're still in your shame, it's time to come to the cross. Like the guy said to me 10 years ago. Reconcile it there. But once you've reconciled it, you don't have to pick it up again. So once you've given your bags of shame to the cross, please don't pick it up again. The Bible says instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. Isn't that good? Yeah. That's really, really good. That's really good. Again, I thought I was going to get a better response. <laughs> um, so, what I want to do now is um, we're going to, I'm going to pray. <coughs> what we're not going to do is invite people up forward. I'm, I'm aware as we talk about shame, uh, the majority of the room could potentially come forward. Um, so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to just close our eyes. I'm going to lead you into a prayer of repentance. And a prayer that will, um, uh, a prayer where Jesus will, will take that shame away. So why don't we close your eyes. Uh, I want to encourage you to pray, to declare this. Pray it out loud. Pray it under your breath. Whisper it. Uh, whisper it in your heart, if you must. So this is just a prayer of repentance and confession. Father, thank you for your glorious grace. Thank you that you stripped shame of its power through the cross. Since its power is broken, today I break my partnership with shame. Shame, you no longer rule over me. You will no longer influence me. Shame, you will no longer inhabit my heart. Shame, you will no longer inhabit my mind. I am done with shameful practices. I am done with shameful living. Shame, you were defeated at the cross. And I turn towards unstained innocence. And I break its power in Jesus' name. Amen.
I walk into my right to be a son and daughter of God. I'm adopted into the family. Today, Father, I receive from you the glory that overturns shame. I receive the honour that is greater than my failure. And I walk through the door of adoption, identity, and intimacy with Jesus. Today, I am in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Amen. Why don't we stand? And, uh, let's worship together.